everyone and welcome into episode 5 of Living Liberty Today. I'm Charlie Earle. Those of you who know me or know of me know that I have a little bit of interest in politics and while I've been discussing the various parameters and aspects of liberty, I think today I'm going to get a, a little political because community equals politics. If you're trying to live a liberty-induced, liberty-enhanced life, you're doing it within some kind of community. Ergo, therefore, you are involved in politics at some level. So, first of all, I want to give you an overview here. Constitution of the United States, as most of you know, if you listen to this program at all, know that it was designed to limit government's power. But government at all levels seems to ignore the Constitution and finds ways to limit our individual liberty, whether it be by licensing, registration, rules and regulations. In fact, I've stated for a number of years that I think one of the most insidious aspects of our government today is what we call enabling legislation. That is where Congress or a state legislature passes a broad general bill and then turns to the bureaucracy and says, here, go ahead, design the rules and regs and how you're going to implement this thing. Well, we end up with all kinds of weeds and weed patches that we, the public, the individuals, have to fight a way through just to navigate uh, the, the, the messes they create. Let me give you an example. Can you cut hair? Are you good at cutting hair? Do you know people who are good at cutting hair? Well, they need a cosmetology or a barber's license to legally cut hair. Come on, what's wrong with this picture? My idea is even if somebody has a barber's license and I get a bad haircut, I'm not going back. So if they don't have a barber's license and I get a bad haircut, guess what? I'm not going back. I guess some people would argue, well, that's to protect liability. If they use unsanitary scissors and I get an infection because they nicked my ear, then I have some recourse, some met methodology, some means of recovery because of that barber's not being or having his or her license pulled. Bull. Let me sue them. Let it go at that. If they infect me, let me sue them keep this state out of it. What about fighting a pandemic? Let's look at government reactions to that. First of all, there are comorbidity issues that we, as we have discovered, and the numbers are all over the map. You know, do we have 187,000 deaths related to COVID in the United States? Probably, but on the other hand, we're finding out that the testing is too precise. In other words, people are being given a, a, a designation of being COVID when, in fact, it may be dead cells from long ago. Secondly, we know that there are issues at play here, age being one, other comorbidity factors being others. For example, me, I, I'm a 74-year-old type 1 diabetic with with COPD, and also with heart issues. 
That makes me way up there on the comorbidity scale. I'm not scared, okay? I'm not scared. Bottom line is, stay home, close, or limit your licensed businesses is not a remedy. The remedy is for each individual and their caring family members to devise a method for protecting those people at risk and go, go on from there. We shouldn't be having these governors arbitrarily violating their constitutional obligations and requiring massive shutdowns and lockdowns for inexact science. Now, I'm not anti-science, but it's inexact science, okay? And that's where we're at on this thing. It seems to me our reactions have been overreactions. Our reactions have been to, in essence, gut the economy. It's now starting to fight its way back. But certain sectors of the economy are still way behind the eight ball and may be behind the eight ball forever going forward and may not recover. We've already seen some massive changes in the way we do things because of these lockdowns and so forth. There are more people working from home right now. There are more people deciding to homeschool because of their experience with the online type of activity they've had so far. They may or may not be happy with it. Um, they found out that their teachers or their school districts are afraid to reopen, and so they're devising new methods of teaching their children or educating them and going forward. So the, the lockdown has created a fallout effect, a, a cascading effect across all sectors of our economy and our society. And it'll be interesting to see what impact they have going forward but I do know this, and I can say this unequivocally. You can argue with me all you want. Send me an email at, you know, livinglibertytoday at protonmail.com and argue with me if you want. But I think all of our governors have overreacted. To give you a, a, an idea of, of, of how I can illustrate that, great. Right now, the latest unemployment figures showed... The unemployment number is at 8.4% in the United States. That's not good. That's bad. But it's a lot better than the 14.7 we had at our peak unemployment after this pandemic hit. But consider this. California is number three or four economy in the world. New York is number six and number seven. Depends on how you aggregate the numbers and so forth. So you're taking the number four and number seven economies of the world and they're still shut down and the United States is still only at 8.4% unemployment. That's pretty darn good on the comeback basis considering the impact we've had across so many different sectors. Across, you know, the, the supply chain, the, the, the retail establishments, restaurants, food, bars. All these numbers of things that governors and people, frankly, individual citizens have decided to change the way they go about doing their business. What a great impact all those have had to still be in the position we are now is probably pretty doggone good considering everything. But uh, 
it has been political. I think maybe the first two weeks, I recall here in Ohio, for example, we were to uh, lock down for two weeks to flatten the curve. Well, that damn curve is flat. Yes, we still have people getting sick. ICUs are down. Hospitalizations are down. The death rate is up or down. But again, when we're measuring comorbid people, people who have other issues like age and sickness and cancer and so forth, and they have a trace of COVID in them, and we're marking them as COVID-19 deaths, eh, you know, it, it tends to make people like me who are naturally skeptical of government and government data makes me even more skeptical uh, going forward. So anyway, I have a couple of articles that um, I find interesting, and, and I, and I want to share a little bit of them with you for a moment going forward. It sort of addresses all this thing. If you trust politicians and what they have to say, particularly career politicians, I mean those people who draw their life's blood out of taking your tax dollars and living high on the hog, think of this for a minute. 1952, a Mississippi state senator named Noah Sweat had this uh, erudite statement, quoting now, If when you say whiskey, you mean the devil's brew, the poison scourge, the bloody monster that defiles innocence, dethrones reason, destroys the home, creates misery and poverty, yea, literally takes the bread from the mouths of little children, if you mean the evil drink that topples the Christian man and woman from the pinnacle of righteous, gracious living into the bottomless pit of degradation and despair and shame and helplessness and hopelessness, then certainly I'm against it. But if when you say whiskey, you mean the oil of conversation, the philosophic wine, the ale that is consumed when good fellows get together, that puts a song in their hearts and laughter on their lips, and the warm glow of contentment in their eyes, if you mean Christmas cheer, if you mean the stimulating drink that puts the spring in the old gentleman's step on a frosty, crispy morning, if you mean the drink which enables a man to magnify his joy and his happiness, and to forget, if only for a little while, life's great tragedies and heartaches and sorrows, if you mean that drink, the sale of which pours into our treasuries untold millions of dollars, which are used to provide tender care for our little crippled children, our blind, our deaf, our dumb, our pitiful, aged, and infirm, to build highways and hospitals and schools, then certainly I am for it. This is my stand, and I will not retreat from it. I will not compromise. Talking about the evils of demon rum, Senator Sweat said he's on both sides of the issue. Ha ha! Are we surprised? They all say the same things about every issue. They just do it more subtly and more indirectly than that. And uh, once in a while they get caught doing that. Another article I want to recommend to you, and I'm not going to read it or even excerpt it, 
but it's by Doug Casey and whether it's possible to find freedom in an unfree world. And you can Google that, Doug Casey, D-O-U-G-C-A-S-E-Y, on whether it's possible to find freedom in an unfree world. Um, I found it insightful. I also found it chilling. And uh, I, I would recommend it to you. It's a rather long and lengthy article. I would uh, pull it up if I were you and make sure you have the time to thoroughly examine it and go through it. It's not one of those that is easily scanned. Final thing I want to talk to you about on today's episode 5 of Living Liberty Today is a thing I picked up and I don't recall even where I got this but it's called Ancestral Mathematics. Might have been on Facebook or one of those other social media platforms. But anyway it says, in order to be born, you needed two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 second-great-grandparents, 32 third-great-grandparents, on and on and on, to 2,048 ninth-great-grandparents. For you to be born today from 12 previous generations, you needed a total of 4,094 ancestors over the last 400 years. Think of that for a moment. How many struggles, how many battles, how many difficulties, how much sadness, how much happiness, how many love stories, how many expressions of hope for the future did your ancestors have to undergo for you to exist at this present moment? That is thought-provoking. In fact, you might even say that's profound. Think of all the people that went before you, not just you. You know, time, difficulty, life is not measured in only the moment. There are those people who preceded us who went through struggles many more severe than the ones we're facing right now, who managed to overcome. Some of them didn't. Some of them maybe fell down and never got up. But think about that and put it in perspective for yourself. Okay, you can find us on Living Liberty Today on Facebook. Uh, check us out there. Also, our website at https colon backslash backslash free to be you, F-R-E-E, number two, letters B and U, dot buzzsprout dot com. Check us out. We're going to try to give you something each and every week. A little different this week. The next time we're up on Episode 6, we're going to do a deeper look at entrepreneurship. Have a good one and live free.